the enemy knows that, that you and I have an attention span about as long as a stick of gum. And, and don't, I mean, we live in the 21st century. And don't you think that that's why so many of us have so many different things pulling at us? From all different directions to pull for our affections, pull for our attention, pull for our our time. If we truly, as believers in Christ, understood what would happen if we solely focused on Jesus and his mission, his goals and his life, we would truly be unstoppable. Um, I, I look at all the things that are around us that keep us distracted and keep like the enemy knows how dangerous we would be if we actually engaged into what we're supposed to engage in. And so the enemy, he wants to keep us at bay. And he does that through distractions. He does it through keeping our attention. Like the average, I think the average attention span is less than three minutes. Like that's the actual length of someone's attention span before they're just like, and if somebody's got a phone, they're just, they're, they're quick to scroll and look at stuff. If, if their attention's not engaged the way uh, they think it should be. What happens in so many Christians, Christians' lives is that we come across adversity or we get distracted and, and the cares and the worries of the world and we start to think and, and, and we think, well, man, something's wrong. And oftentimes people will go stagnant in their faith and some will even go as far as to renounce their faith. We, we grow quieter and quieter on all fronts about Christ because the enemy wants us to. So tonight what I want to do is I want to look at Hebrews chapter 12. We're going to start in 12, but then we're going to back up to 11. Um, the first thing we're going to look at is the first couple of verses here. It says, therefore, chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight of sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy was set before him and endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Okay, so in order for us to truly understand this text and see what happens in the text, the first thing you see in the text in verse 1 is the word therefore. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Now, when you read that text on its own, if you just jumped in at, ch- at chapter 12 and started reading, you say, well, what witnesses, what witnesses is the writer of Hebrews referring to? I, I don't understand it. Uh, who is he referring to in the text here? So 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1 tells us that we're to be, Paul wrote, and it says, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. And the idea in Hebrews chapter 12 is the same idea. It says, therefore, since you're surrounded by such a great cloud of examples or witnesses, you say, well, Caleb, where are those examples? Where are the witnesses? This is why we have to go back to chapter 11 and look at chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, it's the who's who of the Bible. And so Hebrews chapter 11 is this hero's roll call of all these different men. By faith, all of these people obeyed and followed Christ. Now, as they followed, did it, was it always easy for them? Well, we know the first thing here. It says, by faith, Abel offered God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain. Now, what happened to Abel? You guys remember? Abel died. Did it go well for Abel? 
it ultimately, yeah, ultimately it did. It did go good. He died, but what's the text say? Although he died, he still speaks. He's still, he's in the presence of God today. So it went well for him, but in the physical life, I mean, I don't know how, he, I mean, he died. And we're, we'll see here in the, in the text here. In fact, chapter 11, verse 13 says, these all died in faith, not received the things, not receiving the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on earth. So how did they fare on earth? Well, keep going in, in chapter 11 and we'll start in verse 29. Now, this is talking about different people groups here. By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land. But the Egyptians, when they had attempted to do the same, were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho all fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who, had been, who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. And what shall I say then? For time will fail me. To tell you of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. Who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weaknesses, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. And so we see this this whole litmus test of promises kept by God. We see that all of these had had faith in the ultimate fulfillment of the eternal promises of the covenant of Jesus. Every single one of these people groups, every one of these individual people had the promises and understood the ultimate fulfillment of the eternal promises of the covenant of Christ. So we have we see God's fulfillment here lasting faith has to be something that endures in good and bad seasons now i stopped for a specific reason where we were in verse 36 of chapter 11 because what happens in the world in which we live a lot of people will take because is the world always are we always going to conquer are we always going to win in this life are there going to be moments where we're going to fall we're going to stumble we're going to fail we're going to mess up. Anybody? Are there going to be moments of tribulation in this life? That's a yes or no. Yes. Yeah. Yes. There's going to be moments of tribulation in this life. But I can tell you that like, if that's where the text just ended, I'd struggle. Because that's not always the truth. Like, yeah, can we stop the mouths of lions? Maybe. Can we uh, quench fire? Can we conquer kingdoms and enforce justice? You bet we can. There's people that do that all the time that are believers. Absolutely. But there's also going to be moments, what? Keep going. In verse 35, the next part. Some were tortured, refusing to accept the release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and floggings, even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned and they were sawn in two. They were killed by the sword and they went about in skins of sheep and goats destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world is not worthy, wandering about in the deserts and the mountains and the dens and the caves of the earth. Now, what does this mean? What, like, what is this all talking about? 
that faith, lasting faith, has to be something that endures in the good seasons. Like when we're conquering kingdoms and we're stopping the mouths of lions, have faith in those moments. But when you might get sawn in two, or you might, you might not make it, you might get mocked, you might get flogged, you might get thrown in prison. Those, exactly. Because we live in a, in, a, in a Christian American culture of Christianity today that teaches men, if you get Jesus, everything's going to go amazing for you all the time. You're going to have a better life. It's just going to be incredible. You're going to be wealthy. I, I, I watched it on, on TV. They tell you, listen, be wealthy, healthy, prosperous, and if you're not... They say, if you're not wealthy, if you're not prosperous, if you're not all these things going well for you, it's because your faith isn't strong enough. Well, that goes directly against the Bible. These men and women had solid faith. The Bible says so. The Bible tells us that these men and women had incredible faith. And what shall I say? Time will fail me to tell you of Gideon, Barak, and all these different people. What telling us about what? By faith. They live their life according to the gospel. And as a result of that, some of them conquered kingdoms, but some of them also lost. Some of them died. When you're putting armies and foreign armies to flight and quenching fires and conquering kingdoms, it's exciting. And man, those, those are the amazing fun stories we like to hear. When you get like in a lot of big conferences, they'll set that kind of stuff up. Where you get this guy on stage or a woman on stage where she stands up and she shares her story about how she, how she put a foreign army to flight and she saved 2,500 little kids out of a sex slave camp. And everybody's like, yeah, come on, power of Jesus. But we don't talk about the guy that gets his head cut off. We don't get, we don't get him up as an example be like, man, listen, his faith was strong. We don't get excited about that. We're just like, mm, talk that. we don't really want to talk about that. But man, still, that's the case. There are men and women today who are getting their heads chopped off because they're following Christ. They're not flinching in the face of adversity. <laughs> but, but the real test of faith is when all hell breaks loose and you don't flinch. You stay the course. When you're tortured and the, and the words that come off of your tongue is that Jesus is my Savior. I mean, you look around, you read the Fox's Book of Martyrs. And you look at how they were put on trial. Some of these people were put as human torches in Nero's camp to line his sidewalk as the lamps. And they were Christians who were burned at the stake, tortured, sawn into, thrown into lion's dens. And all of them said, man, I'm not going to flinch in this. Christ is to be praised. Christ is to be praised. That's Real faith. And here's the promise. Some of us in this room are going to conquer kingdoms. We're going to conquer kingdoms and we're going to see Christ move in great and mighty ways. And others of us, as the world gets crazier and crazier, if we stand for our faith, we might get sawn in two. Oh, not in America, Caleb. That wouldn't happen. Oh, it could, amen? It could. There's a lot of things that have happened in the last year that we thought, man, there's no way that'll happen. But it's happened. But the, the point is that, listen, you get Christ and Christ is more than sufficient. That's the idea in the text here. 
verse 39. And all of these things, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised since God had provided something better for us that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. So this idea is that they, they looked at this, uh, the ultimate goal, the ultimate fulfillment was the eternal promise of the covenant in Christ. That's what all these men and women, the, 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 the same common denominator for every single person in the text is that the faith to believe Christ, the faith to to know that Jesus is more than sufficient, that that covenant that Christ made on the cross for his children, that was the ultimate reward. So then we move into chapter 12. So therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of examples or witnesses, therefore, since we've got so much examples laid in front of us, here's what we're called to do. Throw off your sin. Throw off the distractions. Throw off the worry. Throw off the anxiety, the depression, the unforgiveness, the the stuff that that we cling to in this life that we hold on to in such a just an insatiable way sometimes. The writer of Hebrews tells us that we are to get rid of all of these things. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, if they can make it, so can I. If they can make it, so can you. That's the idea here. So you've got this great group of examples. Let us also lay aside every weight of sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before who? Us. And here's the deal. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Like my race might look different than Ronnie's race. Robert's race might look different than Pamela's race. Like everyone's got a race in front of them. But what's the idea here? Verse 2. Look to Jesus as the founder and the perfecter of our faith. Who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross and despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So every way, all these things, we're looking to Christ as our ultimate example. So we've got, listen, we've got examples to look back here to in chapter 11. All the different men and women who by faith did what they're supposed to do. They, Abel, Enoch, Moses, Noah, Abraham... All these different men who followed and obeyed Christ. And you get or Christ ultimately. And then you look at here, it talks about the Jewish people who crossed the Red Sea by faith. And then Rahab the prostitute. There was, I mean, listen to that. I mean, a prostitute gets a space in the Bible. Rahab, a, a, an undesirable in the world's sense, gets an extension of grace gets an extension of God's mercy. She's mentioned here. And what she wasn't, she wasn't, she didn't perish with those that were disobedient. Her whole, everything fell except for her house. Everything in Jericho collapsed except for her house. She threw that red cord, that crimson cord. There's a story behind that crimson cord. The idea of, 
the, the crimson line of Christ and his bloodline that redeems mankind. That crimson cord that hang, hung out of her window as a sign of, listen, I, I'm, I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to follow the obedient. I'm going to be obedient to what God's called me to do. So because she was obedient and gave a friendly welcome to the spies, guess what? She was saved. So how, why, by how? By faith. By faith. The Old Testament and the New Testament have the same line, the same message. It's by grace through faith that we're saved. Abel was saved by grace through faith. Enoch was saved by grace through faith. He was taken up and not found because God had taken him. By faith, he believed God. By faith, Noah was warned by God. By faith, Abraham obeyed. By faith, Jacob. By faith, Sarah. By faith, all of these different people did what they're supposed to do according to what did they do. They ran the race that was set before them. And their focus was Christ. Their focus was on Jesus as the ultimate example of what we're supposed to do. Keep reading verse 3. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself. Why? So that you might not grow weary or faint-hearted. So why did Christ endure all? I mean, we talked about this morning. We talked about all the things that he endured, the hostility that he endured. Why? So that you might not grow weary or faint hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And you have forgotten or, and, and you have and have you forgotten the exhortation, the address to you as sons? Have you forgotten that you're sons? My sons, don't, don't regard lightly the discipline of the Lord. Nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord's discipline, he disciplines the ones he what? Loves. He disciplines those he loves. So if God's disciplining you, if you've ever been disciplined by the Lord, then that is a sign that he loves you. Because... How many times, when mom, when you're growing up, one of the things when my mom and dad, if I ever got a spanking, one of the things they said was, I do this because I love you. At the time, when I was Noah's age and my dad was pulling the belt off, I was thinking, dad, if you really love me, you'd let me go. If you really love me, you would not do this to me and you would let me get away with what I'm, a, I mean, you just let me go, dad. That's, that's true love. But Heinz, I got kids now. That's not real love. That's in remembrance of your dad. Right? <laughs> exactly. But that's not real love. Because if, I, if dad just let me get away with being a hellion, and there was never any structure, never any discipline, how would I have ended up? <laughs> Thank you, Noah. We'd be standing there. I wouldn't, yeah. I'd be, we'd be in a different place today. This, this idea, my, listen, that's what God says here. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor grow weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the ones he loves, and he chastises every son whom he receives. And then verse 7 says, listen, if, he, if he's not disciplining you, 
If he's not in discipline, God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? That's a question. If you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are, some translations say bastard, but my translation says an illegitimate child and not a son. If Christ is not disciplining you, Know that this, the Bible says you're an illegitimate, you're not his son. If God's disciplining you, that is a beautiful picture and a beautiful sign that God loves you and that he's your kid. Or you are his kid. I had to think for a second. We have to understand all of this, that all of this is about Christ. And we've got to get our focus on him and look to him and look at him as the ultimate example. He considered all all of these things and he did all these things. He took on all the hostility against himself so that we have that ultimate example here that we might not grow weary or faint hearted in our struggles. As human beings, we say, okay, Christ did this for me. I'm not going to grow weary. I'm going to continue to press on the perseverance of the saints. I'm going to continue to press on and put one foot in front of the other and be obedient just as Christ has called me to be obedient because it's Christ who gives me the ability to do the things that I'm doing. He was and is the ultimate example of what we are to be doing. We are to Man, how many of us have had to endure from sinful people hostility against us at some point in our lives? Jesus tells us here, look, listen, that's so you don't grow weary, don't grow faint-hearted. He goes, in your struggle, and your struggle against sin, have you not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood? You haven't resisted to the point where you're losing your blood. None of the Hebrews had experienced such intense exhaustion or persecution that it brought them to the point of death or martyrdom. There were many of that. There was not, none of them in this text as a part of this text. Now there was some that did Stephen, James and others of the, of the disciples, but he's telling in this group here to this, to the, to this church, listen, you guys haven't endured to the point where it's just, you're losing blood. Calm down, calm down. Jesus has got you. Jesus has got you. My sons, listen, I'm just trying to discipline you. There might be some discipline that's necessary in some of the trials that you're going through. Jesus can use trials as a form of discipline. And don't look at that lightly. Don't tread on that lightly. But thank God for the chastisement. Repent and follow him. Where Christ exposes sin in your life, confess it, repent to him, and then follow him and be obedient. That's, that's what we're called to do. This is the beautiful picture of what Christ has laid out for us. And, and like, listen, like I said, our attention span is three minutes long. And the enemy knows that. The enemy wants to get us distracted in any way humanly possible so that we don't realize who we are. We are sons and daughters of a king, of the king, not a king, the king, the king, the sovereign king of the universe. You and I, if we are in Christ, we repented of our sins and we follow him. We are sons and daughters of the most high God. And as a result of that, 
you and I have the ability here, the example set before us, that we can throw off every sin that clings so closely to us. And we can get rid of it and run from it, all while keeping our eye on Christ as the ultimate prize. The ultimate The ultimate treasure that we are striving for. Amen? Like that's that's the hope that we have here. So that's that was my idea for, for our Bible study tonight. I just wanted to run through. Because the world is like we get distracted so easily. And and Jesus just keeps us coming back to this idea of listen, I know it's crazy, but just look at me. Just look at me. It's okay. Just keep your eye on me. Keep your focus on me. Don't, don't look over to the right. Don't look to the left. Just keep, look at me. Keep your eye on me. Watch me. And what? Look what I did. Look at the example. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. He, 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 he endured the cross so that you and I could live. He endured the punishment of sinful humanity so that we could live eternally. He took on all that stuff we talked about this morning. All that just insatiable wickedness. So that you and I could walk in freedom. Walk in forgiveness. And walk in his divine light. Amen. Like that's, that's the beauty of what Christ has done for us. Amen.